This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. So what was the quote that Jonathan Gannon used to usher in week one? What was the quote that he used in front of the team? Now we get measured. I like that. Sort of has like a uh, the movie 300, you know, Leonidas or whoever the main character was, right? Take from them everything and give them nothing. Something like that. There's some drama in there, is there not? Am I allowed to take the low-hanging fruit? Am I? Go now we get measured. I'm just surprised Paul's willing to go with that comment. It's something he enjoys. But anyways, <laughs> I wouldn't think you want to get measured, no, Paul. Sort of like we will st- I'm not talking about like Nick's menswear. I'm not talking about going in with a tailor. Okay. By the Great way, experience, though. Well, that was, that was well done. You do a drop right there, and then you don't even sponsor us. <laughs> and at this point, everyone's like, now, wait a minute. Either Danny has a cold... <laughs> Or that's someone else. But you know what? Both things can be true at the same time. Zach Gershman sitting in for an under-the-weather, or is it on assignment, Danny Sarek? Hey, Paul. How are you? <laughs> Listen, the weather could change the voices, but I can promise you it's me. Right, right. Darren, what are we going with here? What's, what's going into the official employee portal? Is she on assignment, or is she under the weather and using a sick day? Working from home, I believe. <laughs> I see. Okay, that's good. That's good. Well, uh, well, we'll keep things to. I mean, I know I, she's got to be able to defend herself, so we will, we will, <laughs> we will suspend any anything that could rile her up. See, here's another good one. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. This is where they die. Another great quote uh, from 300. Oh, I thought you meant from Jonathan Gannon, and I'm like, no. okay, that's a little overboard for week one. <laughs> or is it overboard based on flight plan? <laughs> no, that's true. And what he's looking for. That's true. <laughs> Maybe he borrowed from 300. I, don't, I haven't seen it in a long time. Maybe maybe the old killer's line came out of a movie. I'm not sure. Listen, I, the way you're just talking about this, just give me a wall to run through at this <laughs> That's point. Right. That's right. Give Zach a club, and there's an open practice field right behind you. You can just charge across it. You know, <laughs> all Ron Wolfley style over oh, yeah. there. Well, I can only imagine how he felt. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. Play along here. What yes. do you think he meant by that? Now we get measured. Well, I mean, it's funny because I've been asking, like I asked the coordinators a bunch Tuesday about like your thought process. It's funny, even coaches who are around these the team every day, they can't know exactly for sure what they're going to see on Sunday. They're, it's impossible. Nobody really knows, especially in the NFL, where it feels like there's so much chance for things being upside down those first couple weeks anyways. I mean, to me, now you get measured is now now is where we really get to see where the rubber meets the road, to use another cliche. I mean, here's some more low-hanging fruit. Zach Gershman, do you know what Paris Johnson Jr. is going to look like at right tackle? No. 
Do you know what Keetrell Clark is going to look like as potentially a starting corner? I don't know, but I think he's going to have fun doing it. By the way, is the depth chart out? Yes, is Keetrell Clark a starting yes. corner? Yes, and so Michael Wilson, three rookies, according to the depth chart. Paris gotcha. Johnson, Keetrell okay. Clark, Michael Wilson. Ding, ding, and more ding. How about that? How about It's been a minute since we've seen a coach around here being willing to do that, Paul. That's true. No, seriously. How far do you have to go back? With three rookies in the starting lineup? I, I would I'm I'm going to look that up after we're done recording, but it's gotta be I vote Dave McGinnis. Wizenhunt, absolutely not. No, not Arians, no. no. Vince Tobin, mm, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, he's the guy who went with Jake Plummer and, and Pat Tillman. McGinnis might have, but I would I would have to look that up. Speaking of, and speaking of looking up, our Jim Omohundro did a little homework here, went back into the archives. So when you talk about Cardinals at Washington, do you realize that Adrian Wilson's first career pick six, 2001, at Washington? Wait, we're still talking about Adrian Wilson around here? He left us. <laughs> Which Sorry. also <laughs> happened to be Pat Tillman's final NFL game. Yep. And four or five months later... News broke of him joining the Army that 2001 game. 2002 at Washington, it was Jake Plummer's final season opener with the Cardinals in that game, which also happened to be the first game for Dave Pash as voice of the Cardinals. Zach, where'd you go to school, by the way? I went to Penn State oh, for college. Right. I wanted to make sure you didn't go to Syracuse. Because no. now that my alma mater is joining Syracuse in the <laughs> ACC, I don't, I don't need another you know, Syracuse guy around here like uh, Pash and Craig Grillo. No, I will say this. Syracuse was my dream school. My bar mitzvah theme was even blue and orange. That's how much of a dream school it was. Uh, they did not feel the same way about me, which is perfectly fine. I went <laughs> okay. towards the blue and white. Right. But uh, to Paul, just to put it in perspective, 2001 was the year I was born. Two, <laughs> okay. two weeks after 9-11, okay. September 25th. So it's just coming up. So we got to circle on the calendar. Wait a minute. Maybe Danny is here after all. <laughs> <laughs> no, because no. at least she was alive during 9-11. That's right. That's right. When I found out he hadn't, he hadn't even been born for 9-11, yeah. like now we're walking around with people okay. that weren't even around. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Mm -hmm. That's it. That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground <laughs> Drive Safely. All brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. My goodness. Okay. Deep so breath, look, Paul. Deep breath. So we in this very studio, as we sort of look at the big picture before we get into the in-depth stuff, talking about what we expect, what this will look like, because nobody really knows once they hit the field. What exactly do you want to achieve this year? If being realistic that the playoffs aren't feasible, doable, achievable, then okay, what do you want to achieve? And I threw out there obligatory, you know, Dan Campbell, Detroit Lions, what Josh Woods said to us early in training camp. In fact, I have the quote right here. Thanks for asking, Zach, because I do have it right here. I was waiting for it. Said, do you see any similarities between Dan Campbell when he showed up in Detroit and the Arizona? He said, yes, and he cut me off mid-sentence. He said, absolutely. And then he went on and he explained, there's lots of no-nonsense here. Without the micromanaging, said Josh Woods about Jonathan Gannon and this staff. He says, they put responsibility on the players. They create accountability. It's equal opportunity. There's no smoke and mirrors. They're all about trust with the players. And when you can entrust the coaches, it becomes easy to play for them. That was his quote. Lorenzo Alexander compared it to the first year that Sean McDermott showed up in Buffalo. And they got rid of Marcel Darius. They got rid of Sammy Watkins. He said, we made the playoffs that year. I said, wait a minute, who was your quarterback that Because it was pre-Josh Allen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was Tyrod Taylor. Oh, yeah. And a little bit of Nathan Peterman. Does right? it, is that the year that the Cardinals went up there in week three and got their doors blown off? 
With Bruce Arians? With the uh, backup long snapper who didn't snap thereafter. That got sideways. Yeah. Remember 2016 Six, or 17? Yeah, I think it would have been 16. 16 so. Yeah. So uh, I just thought that was interesting. And he said that McDermott, he sees similarities to what McDermott did in Buffalo, to what Jonathan Gannon okay. and Monty Austin Ford are doing with this team. I mean, that would be obviously embraced fully yeah. if you had that kind of situation and and we'll we'll see what happens i'd love to see what that buffalo lineup looked like i mean obviously the quarterback wasn't necessarily there who else they had around um but i'm not i'm not ruling anything out i i understand those who doubt this team completely 100 percent. i'm not trying to deny that that's not a realistic viewpoint um but Again, that's why they play the games. And usually, if if there's one thing, there's a lot that happens in between team number one at the end of the year winning the Super Bowl and whoever ends up with the first pick of the draft. But oftentimes, neither one is predicted. I mean, I'm not saying you can't figure out who might be a good team or a poor team. But at the same time, when you're talking about a, a I look at it every day. I'm not trying to really upset too many Cardinals fans here. I look at it every day. I have a bunch of uh, copies of of the covers of Sports Illustrated of Cardinals people over the years, uh, at least since I've been covering them. And one of them is the Larry Fitzgerald kind of screaming like he would do after a big play with like flames around him going into the 2016 season. And right on, I just looked at it today. Our Super Bowl pick. Arizona beats Pittsburgh. We're obviously in 2016. I right. don't think the Cardinals even got to 500, did they? I believe they finished seven, eight, and one. I think you're right. So, and, th- and that was the year to start with the New England loss at that's home. That's the one. And Bruce Arians blamed that the rest of the season. Yes. Well, now, I'm not really buying that, but that did sort of set a tone. D- it didn't help when they didn't beat Seattle at home when they should have yeah. in a tie. Yeah. It didn't necessarily set a tone, but it did reveal some issues that plagued that team all year long. Like, just not playing clean football. Yeah, a lot of self-inflicted stuff, like you saw in that game. But that's when Week One kicks in. It all starts there, and that's where we talk a little bit about the accountability side of it. You want to see that from the jump. You, the, the question marks. There's so many of them entering the season, Darren. I understand that's why people can have their doubts around the team. There's question marks from the top down with a new head coach. What's that going to produce to? Who's going to be? Slinging the football around. You don't know who it's officially going to be. Um, but week one, everyone has said week one is the week of surprises. So it's worth, uh, it's worth keeping an eye out on it. And we're gonna, It's good. We're going to get into the QB battle in a minute. I'm giving you one area where you can get an answer on Sunday. What are you most curious to find out? Now, a lot of this might be incomplete after one game. I get it. It'd be a lot like Zach's Penn State career, you know, an mm-hmm. incomplete grade. You know, I just he's, he's going to finish it later. Okay. But if, if you can actually get an answer, good or bad, get an answer. What are you most curious to find out? Maybe a position group, maybe a single player. What, you know, uh, the game within the game. What do you want to find out about this team this year? I, I want to see who's rushing the passer. I mean, I, I think having Zayvon Collins on the outside, uh, Nick Rollis said some great things about Dennis Gardeck this week. We're, we haven't really seen a lot of B.J. Ojolari because he's just coming back from the injury. Cam Thomas, MyJ Sanders is on IR right now. I want to see where the pass rush is going to come from, particularly from the edges, because we've had so much conversation about it, 
but you don't really know how that's going to go until there's game you're being game planned for it and everything. And I mean, are, are they going to be able to create that kind of pressure? Maybe not a bunch of sacks, but enough pressure that having a rookie like Keytrail Clark in the secondary isn't as big of a deal. That's that's where I'm looking. I think defense. There's so many questions, and I think pass rush to me is what jumps to my my forefront. I I think on the offensive side of the ball, you got to look at. I mean, I I know that Yelda Froholt has been doing a great job that the coaching staff has at least spoken about. But whether it's gonna be Clayton Tune or Josh Dobbs taking the snaps, there's the chemistry is not necessarily there. Clayton Tune spent most of training camp taking snaps from the twos, taking snaps from John Gaines. Josh Dobbs has only been here for a week, I, I believe. That's all it's really been. So going into week one and going away from week one, obviously the biggest question mark is going to be who is that starting quarterback, but it's also going to be that relationship and that chemistry between the center and the QB. Hmm. And you know what? I'll go O-line in general. You show me a team with a bad O-line, I'll show you a bad team. I want to see if this O-line can withstand maybe its toughest I was test gonna say. all season. <laughs> Like I mean, if, if, if matchups matter, right? We're going to get an answer on the Cardinals O line. I'm pretty confident through four quarters against four first round picks. You're going to get an answer on the Cardinals O line, and if it's better than expected, if they go out there and they ball and they hold their own, then you know what? I'm bullish. This team can compete this year because there's a lot of teams out there with really bad offensive lines who I think are kidding themselves. They look at some other areas of their team, but if the O line isn't firing and it's not reliable. I just don't think the results are going to be there. All right, I want one example. The Rams. Okay. The well, Broncos. I, I said uh, one. I, I only Carolina. One. <laughs> Tennessee. He's getting it off his chest. These are all bad O-lines. <laughs> the Bears. Who had the worst O-line in the league last year? Wait, wait. I the keep, Bears. And who picked number one? The Bears. I keep, I keep hearing about okay. how the Bears are going to be in the playoffs this year. <laughs> if only the 49ers would have taken Justin Fields instead of trading all the way up to take Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, speaking of quarterback, you brought it up, Zach. Uh, you know how it works with those uh, horse racing announcers. It's always the best part of the horse race, right? They turn for home, right? And, 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 the, and the horse racing announcer yells out, and down the stretch they come. <laughs> well, finally, we're coming down the stretch in the QB battle, are we not? Tell yes. me we're coming down the stretch. Well, we're only a we few days be, away right? from the opener. <laughs> we, we better be, right? I mean, if you're going to do some research and go into the archive in the history of the Arizona Cardinals, and that's more than 100 years worth of football, more than a century worth of football, did they ever start a quarterback in the season opener that didn't take a single snap with the team throughout the entirety of camp or the preseason? I, I'd love to get an answer to that one. I am going to say, I'm not, I can't go through the entirety of the thing, but... Uh, our new columnist Kent Summers, his yeah. his uh, his lead note in his column on Wednesday is talking about QB battles in training camp and when people were decided on and and that kind of stuff. So mm. please okay. look at azcardinals.com okay. and our new writer Kent Summers, our new old writer Kent Summers. In fact, he'll be on Jonathan Gannon's TV show on Friday night as well. There you go. And as I noted to him, he's come full circle. He was asking Ron Wolfley questions in the Cardinals locker room That's once upon true. a time, and now it's the other way around. Wolf's asking him questions on the Cardinals TV show. We're not old or anything. <laughs> You're old enough yes. <laughs> to know things, Darren. That, that's the way we put it around here. I mean, I was born before 9-11. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Oh, this boy. is one of those things where I just stay quiet and just stay to the outside yeah, and expect yeah. the, the dinger coming. Yeah, there you go. But come on, let's, let's be honest. Show of hands here. It's Josh Dobbs' job to lose, right? 
Everybody, uh, we agree on that. I'm. I think. Come on. that's true. Don't he's, the cl- hands up. he's the clubhouse leader, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. Here's a theory I have. Thanks for asking. Here we go. <laughs> How many times have we now heard Jonathan Gannon say, when asked about either Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs, that they quote can make plays inside and outside the pocket? Yeah. End quote. When he says that enough, you begin to realize, guess what? He really values that as a head coach. And would you say that was part of Cole McCoy's game at this stage of his career? Not at all. Absolutely not. I think that was one of the big driving reasons why they made the change. And they went after a Josh Dobbs. I think that's fair. And I do, you know, I agree with you guys. I, I think, I think Joshua Dobbs is the guy, Josh Dobbs, sorry. Uh, Josh Dobbs is the guy that probably starts Sunday. I, there's so many. I, I did a I did a interview on a pod a Washington podcast this week, and this guy's view. And he's he's doing a podcast now, but he was he was in he did sports talk radio in the area for like 20 years, something like that. His his thought process was, wouldn't it be tuned because he's the one who's been around the offense the whole time? And I get it, but I, I think being closer to it, it does it does feel like. Josh Dobbs is is going to be the guy at least at first, and then they see what they've got in him, and they see where it can go, and maybe at some point you let Tune get some snaps or however that might work out. But it just it feels like Josh Dobbs is going to be the guy they point to. But couldn't you have responded to the uh, to loudmouth talk show guy that wait a minute, Josh Dobbs has been in this offense the last couple of years in Cleveland? Well, see, here's the thing though. It wasn't the last couple years in. I mean, it kind of was, but it was like he's he was in Tennessee for a while, and they let him. Like, you're right. He's been around it enough that he knows, and I and I do think. And have have you guys gotten the sense like some people are saying like he does know like Josh Dobbs got in front of us and he's like yeah I've been in it but there seemed to be like this well you know I don't know it I don't know it like you think I know it. And then everybody else is like, oh, he knows the offense. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go with a guy who's <laughs> the guy who we're talking about. Well, it, maybe DJ Humphries is laying it on thick with the media, but he told the media to start off the week that Dobbs is out there checking into plays, calling audibles. He's very confident in the huddle, barking out the play calls. So he seems to have simulated pretty quick. I don't, I don't necessarily – I mean, I agree. I agree with both of you guys, but I think it's also – He's he's a smart guy. We we he spoke about his aerospace engineering background and how he could have gotten a cow, Paul. <laughs> hey, those Stanford guys now in the locker room—they're the second smartest guys in that they locker room. They went in. They, they when else? everyone's when everyone's been talking about Michael Wilson, they were like, "Yeah, he went to Stanford." Now, what are they going to say about Josh Dobbs? He's a little rocket scientist. <laughs> but he talked about it, saying that you know it's the most cerebral position in football, playing quarterback, and how. His background being an aerospace engineer has kind of helped him with study habits. I don't doubt that he's going to be able to quickly jump into the offense and pick up the play calls when you're practicing against your own team. When you have Washington and potentially Chase Young and a lot of other people, and we talked about the defensive line that Washington has, when you have them coming at you and trying to get by your O-line, all the studying doesn't matter at that point. It's a matter of quick instincts and what you're able to do with it. We spoke a little bit about being able to be on the run and get out of the pocket. My question, and Darren, I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit, is what happens if Josh Dobbs does get to start and struggles in that first half? What Do do you give Clayton Toon an opportunity mm-hmm. to jump in? Is it too early? I mean, for me, for me, it would be too early. Like, I, you just brought – if you are confident 
this is my opinion. If you are confident that this guy came in in two weeks that you're going to let him start on game one, then I don't think it's fair that you give him two quarters or even three quarters and say, oh, now we're going to look at somebody else. I don't think that's fair. If, if, if he's either ready or he's not, and then if, he, if you think he is more than the other guy, whoever it is. I mean, I think the same thing with Clayton Doon. If you put Clayton Toon out there, that's his game, mm-hmm. and you ride with it. Or if it's Josh Dobbs, you ride with it. I'm not a fan. I mean, if we get three, four games in, I can understand wanting to make a change one way or the other. But I, I do absolutely do not believe that you should be making a change. I mean, g- goodness gracious, they, they didn't bench Kyler after the first half of his first game, thank goodness. That was the famous Cliff Kingsbury quote. I thought I was going to get fired at halftime, and I was <laughs> – Wondering about that $4 million house yeah. I bought in Paradise Valley at that point, going, oh, boy, I'm not making it past halftime of the first game. <laughs> that was, uh... But look, if it all boils down to the known and the unknown, could I argue that it is unknown what sort of mastery of this offense Josh Dobbs will have, granted. But it is known he has infinitely more experience, more NFL experience than a Clayton Toon, what we saw in Minnesota on the safety blitz from his right while he was only looking left and it turned into a strip sack at his own five mm-hmm. and a turnover. I'm pretty confident that's not going to happen to Josh Dobbs. He's not going to be left naked that way, just sort of exposed by his inexperience. Now, there might be some times where, to use a Josh Rosen term, he's buffering and maybe he's wondering, okay, uh, where is my second and third option on this particular play call? And uh, am I in sync with my receivers, especially to your point, Zach, when you get some crazy Jack Del Rio, you know, stuff uh, out there that you didn't see on film, you know, that he created mm-hmm. in the offseason because guys love to break out innovative new stuff. And week one, I get it. And really over the entire first month, they save stuff and they, they splice it in. But I'm pretty confident that at Josh Dobbs, if you take out just a portion of the playbook, which is what you do for every game plan, you're not using the whole playbook. You're just using a fraction of it. Plus now, and this might be the key. You combine it with a legitimately balanced offense with a run game, cram it vertical. Now, all of a sudden, you're taking some of the onus off the quarterback. This isn't going to be like a year ago where Trace McSorley comes in. He's a third-string quarterback on Sunday, Christmas night against Tom Brady, and he's asked to throw it 45 times. And James Conner only gets 15 carries. It's going to be a lot more balanced than that I believe and if it's going to be fourth and one you're not going to see the quarterback in the gun throwing a bubble screen I mean there's going to be much more of a straight ahead run game Zach you got anything to say about Trace McSorley Trace McSorley there's a whole song oh, written yeah. about oh, him trust me I, we, my oh, friend oh, Matty oh. Fresh is the one who wrote the song oh, Penn State go. guy that's there right he is. Okay. That's a, all right but I will say the Penn State community was ent- entirely watching that that Christmas night game against the Buccaneers because they just wanted to see if Trace was able to get an opportunity from it. He did. Uh, and now I believe he got cut from the New England Patriots this past uh, offseason. So. He might be on their practice squad he might right be. now. He, he might, might be. be. Yeah. But He's a nice guy, though. I met him, I met him once, met him twice. Uh, really nice guy. But I guess my point is, if you need a quarterback, and I hate to use the words manage the game, but if you just need a quarterback where you can play it safe, what does every player do to get playing time? Earns the trust of the coaches, right? Lorenzo Alexander was talking about that as an undrafted guy. He had to earn the trust of his special teams coach just to get a break in the NFL, get a foothold, because guess what? The coach's job is on the line too. And if some player runs out there and he makes mental error after mental error, who does that reflect on? His coach. So with that in mind, I'm guessing you know Josh Dobbs 
is the better choice right here, right now. What What would you say would make Toon the better choice? I'm not saying we're in that spot, but what would yeah. make Toon the better choice? I'd say his accuracy. I haven't seen Dobbs, a whole bunch of them. Nobody has. He only has two career starts. They were in the last year. And was I watching Tennessee Titans football in week 17 and 18 last year? Thankfully, no. <laughs> and he had terrible talent on, around him. I watched that Jacksonville game. It was entertaining. Okay. Toon's accuracy, I, I think, would play in his favor. Although it's funny because all these fans kept saying they didn't think Toon was accurate enough in preseason. If you saw him in those joy practices in Minnesota, I, I, you know. I'm not we I'm just saying right there, this yeah. is what I read. I don't, I'm not agreeing. I, I, I would say the, the other thing in his favor is maybe the philosophy slash mentality of the coaching staff right now, and that is if it's a close competition between a rookie and a vet, guess what? The rookie wins. Paris Johnson Jr., starter. Keetrell Clark, starter. Michael Wilson, starter. If it's close, they're going with the future. And the future is now in the form of a young guy. That might be a reason they would go with a Clayton Toon. I, I will also say that one thing that really stood out to me from that Minnesota game, we talked about the, the strip sack fumble inside the five. The next play when he bounced back and threw that dart to, yep. I believe it was Davion Davis yeah, was or Greg Dorch. Dorch. It was Dorch. It was Greg Dorch on that, on that post route towards the sideline. That uh, The coaching staff spoke very highly of that, being able to have that short-term memory and, and toss the ball you know, sling it all the way downfield like he did. So that's something I think definitely should not be understated enough because of the fact that 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 sort of that sort of short term memory could go a really long way. At some point, if Clayton Toon is going to have a future in the NFL, he's going to have to get regular season reps. Oh yeah. Now, is, would it behoove him to watch some games from the sideline? We had this argument last week. Brock Purdy would he have been just as good in Week One as he was starting Week Twelve? Nobody knows. If he would have started week one, I don't think he would have been a mental basket case if he struggled out of the gate. It wouldn't have been a Sam Darnold, the whole, I see ghosts, right? <laughs> that whole deal. There, there, I think Clayton Toon's mentally tough enough, to your point, Zach. He rebounded yeah. with that strike downfield after, after the turnover. So, you know, but maybe my favorite quote from Dobbs so far is when, uh, when Cam Cox asked him whether being a rocket scientist – helps him play quarterback in the NFL. And he said yes. He said absolutely because he called quarterback, quote, the ultimate problem-solver position in all of sports. Why would I, I don't understand why being smarter would ever be a negative. But is there a correlation between being having this high IQ in aerospace well, and playing quarterback? I, I, I did think about this. Look, do I think it would help him digest the playbook better or even – analyze the playbook better yeah that doesn't necessarily mean when you've got six 295 pounders chasing you down during a play right you're going to be able to make the throw in the window that you have i mean i mean andrew luck at stanford right photographic memory straight a student at stanford in the architectural like department like a really hard program mm -hmm. but just so you know zach it's rare when paul is willing to say nice things about a stanford guy usually, yeah, usually it's stanford <laughs> just the elitists that are out on the farm, down on the farm, as they call it, that campus. I feel bad for him now because we're in the same boat because we're out there with That's our true. keisters blowing in the wind with no conference. Uh, and by the way, I certainly hope there is an out to get out of the ACC when we're only getting a 30% share. But that's neither here nor there. As for the quarterback position. Yes, Andrew and Luck. When I hear when – when you talk about the IQ, you can't tell me that Andrew Luck is a rookie. It didn't help him, the high IQ. Oh, it did. Absolutely, you know, but he was also a right. phys gifted right. physical right. football player. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, his 40 time wasn't that far behind Cam Newton that same year. Albert Einstein was not going to be a successful NFL quarterback. Hey, we don't know that. (laughs) I mean, Oppenheimer. I also think of the stories that Kurt Warner used to tell about Brett Favre when he was in Packers camp. Kurt Warner, he's like, this guy is. He redefined playing by the seat of your pants. Well, Brett Favre, put it that way. And that's that's the other thing. is He like, wasn't leading the team know, meetings. Kurt, Kurt definitely was into studying and being always prepared, and yet he was at least briefly around a guy who didn't yeah. prepare like he was yeah. supposed to and still had a lot of success. My last point on Clayton, too, and I asked this question of the head coach at one of the end of his recent press conferences, the fact that he got blitzed in the opener right against Denver, Vance Joseph brought it. Steve Spagnolo dialed up some stuff. Brian Flores definitely brought a lot of stuff, especially in those joint practices where he's going against the starters and, and getting some a lot of regular season looks. And Gannon cut me off. Note to self, I think some of my questions are too long because I keep getting cut off by guys. And so Gannon uh, <laughs> went and said, he said, yeah, he did get a lot more of a regular season look in the preseason than you typically would, that there wasn't nearly as much vanilla D as you see a lot of years. So to your point, Zach, maybe, just maybe, that might have prepared a Clayton Tune a little farther down that learning curve than they would have anticipated. Does that give him a shot? Preseason matters. You know, once again, we're still fanning the flames of this quarterback controversy six months. Yeah, wait a minute. You don't even you don't have to worry about that anymore though. I love it. You're past all your play by play. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're, we are into the regular season. but I will say also one point about Paul's self-note. I'm pretty sure J.G. apologized, though, for cutting you off on that one. No, he was, you know, he's too far into his answer. There was no going back at that point. No chance. All right, so speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Kyla Murray, team captain. Story or not a story? Headline or not a headline? Because it seemed to have created a little bit of a buzz. A little bit. It did. A little bit. I, I think it was a story. However, I think it's a bigger story had he not been named captain. This is his fourth straight year of being a captain. and mm, Two good points. I did not realize, yeah. And okay. so, uh, and I heard this talked about on some Arizona Sports Morning Radio as well, but I, I was thinking the same thing. Like, if he's not named the captain, I'm thinking everybody's all over the. Oh, okay. Yep. Especially after last weekend, because the captains came out literally like two days after Caleb Williams last played. And it felt like over the college football weekend that all reached a peak of like, oh, the Cardinals just have to like put Kyler in in bubble wrap and just wait to move on from him and go draft a quarterback. And yet here this came out. So I I understand why there why people ask, you know, why would this be a story or is this a story? But I do think it would have been a bigger story had he not been named captain. Um, and and I, I do think it also underscores the idea that, yes, you could name him captain and, and think he's not going to play all season, but you're probably not doing that. I, I do think he's playing this season for this team, for sure. I mean, name a single franchise quarterback, a quarterback that makes 30, 40, 50 million per year that's not a team captain. And, and if they're not, that is a headline. You're absolutely yeah. right. No matter who it is, all 32 teams, if there's a legit franchise, highly paid starting quarterback who's not a team captain, that blows up. Kyler, Kyler wasn't a captain his rookie year. And I remember thinking, I, I guess it wasn't surprising. Fitz was still here. Yeah. He's a rookie. But it did make me pause. That being said, having been around this long enough, 
I always thought it was kind of goofy if a rookie got a captainship, even if he was a quarterback. And I know that, like, I, I saw the other day C.J. Stroud is a captain for the Texans, and he's a rookie. I'm like, I find it... I, I don't have a problem with a rookie quarterback not getting a captaincy, even if he's starting, even if he's a high pick. I don't know if Bryce Young is is a is a captain, but it just I don't understand how they could be captains. But that's just mm-hmm. me. Get off my long guy. But both Jonathan don't Gannon, laugh at me, oh, I'm laughing at that. And one. DJ Humphreys both said he earned it, which I thought was interesting. That wasn't the question. They didn't really ask. That wasn't. But they said it on their own. Kyler earned it. And by earning it, they weren't talking about his Rookie of the Year award or his two Pro Bowls. They were talking about this offseason. And it does seem genuine, doesn't it, Zach? When yeah. everyone talks about how much respect he garnered for being there virtually every single day rehabbing. It does. And I believe also, to Darren's point, I do believe that Kyler is going to play this season because he knows what – he's not naive. He knows what people are saying around the country, around the NFL landscape, about the type of talent that Caleb Williams, if he does decide to enter the NFL draft, what he could potentially be. And they're already kind of slotting the Cardinals in whatever draft position that they want to slot in the national landscape. So I do think Kyler's going to play. But as much as it's about what he does on the field, as, as you mentioned, Paul, it's what he does off the field. Josh Dobbs talked a lot about how he came in on a Sunday and Kyler Murray was working out in the facility at 630. Mm. To, to, to see that type of leader, and J.G. said anything, everything that you want in a leader, Kyler Murray has brought to the table. That has nothing to do with what is produced out onto the field. So for those that are saying that because it because he was named a captain, now that's going to correlate to him returning on week five when he's first able to do so, I wouldn't necessarily say that either or that it has any sort of relation to one another. But the what he's putting into the locker room and how the coaches have spoke about how vocal he's been in these team meetings, that is the, that's the signs. And that's what exemplifies what a leader and a captain really should be. Here's the other thing. The head coach named the captains and the head coach by all accounts has really connected with the franchise quarterback. And we saw it at Cardinals camp. We saw the two of them standing there a lot watching from behind the defense, Kyla Murray, posing questions all right so why did the defense do this why did they react when the offense did that what would you do what should I look for and we've seen it around the practice field you see it around the facility they're constantly walking talking together and I think there is a really good vibe between the head coach and Kyla Murray right now I would agree look I I think in both cases both are cases they benefit from the other one if the other one does well True. I mean, we, we know we know that Kyler Murray needs the head coach to have his stuff together because you just you need your coach to be there. I think one thing that gets lost in the Kyler Murray, will he be the long term guy? Will he be moved on from? I firmly believe that. I'm not saying I know one way or the other. And I don't even know for a for sure fact of what the organization or the coaches are thinking. I do think this. I think that the Cardinals come out way ahead if Kyler comes back and plays like this transcendent quarterback. Because then all of a sudden you could be owning a draft pick that you could trade for a boatload if you don't need one of those quarterbacks. And you need a lot of stuff on this roster. And if you've already got a Kyler Murray playing at a high level 
whose contract, quite frankly, is going to be out of the top five of quarterbacks sooner rather than later just because of all the – so he's relatively affordable. Yep, in, true. And, and you can fill up all these other things. I, I, I don't know why the, anybody would be rooting for that not to happen. And they've got options. I'm not saying they couldn't do the other thing, but I do think for the, for the team – their best thing is for that to, to happen. That and and we saw more than you'd like after week one. You'd like to see a few of these college quarterbacks not be quite so great all season because if you do decide to stay with Kyler <laughs> and you want to trade that pick, you don't need like six franchise quarterbacks coming out in this draft. You need like one or two. Yeah, that's true. Let's hope that the Duke quarterback was more a product of Clemson looking god-awful. Put it that way. That was amazing. Dion's kid. To hear, to hear Dave Pash say that Mel Kuyper had the Duke quarterback rated number three on his big board to start this college I football season. I had no idea. I just said that comment 30 seconds ago, not even understanding that Duke no. quarterback was no. part of it. That even, but I'm talking about Penix in Washington. I'm talking about Bo Nix. Uh, Bo Nix. I'm talking about uh, Deion Sanders' kid at Colorado. He looked great. And in addition to Drake May and in addition right. to Caleb yeah. Williams. Yep. And I think there's a couple other ones that are floating out that had really nice games. I hadn't really thought about that. You're right. You don't it's want... going to come out. You're going to have the number one pick, and there's going to be like eight all-time <laughs> franchise quarterbacks coming out. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah go take whoever you want. Yeah. We'll be all right. Yeah. That's, uh... All right. So, look, um, you got – and here's the, the last thing about the team captains. I, I did appreciate the fact that they didn't name like a dozen guys team captains. They, You know – Zach wasn't around for that last nope. year. When you need more than two hands to count the team captains, when it's more than half the starters on both sides of the ball, then, okay, come on, things are getting a little sideways. It diminishes the value of the C on the on the jersey. So I like the fact there were only a half dozen. And it was the names that you would expect and you would hope for. I think having Kaiser White be a team captain, though, uh, shows the type of power and the type of impact he does have on that defensive side of the ball. We know how he was as a – Mike Linebacker in Philadelphia with Jonathan Gannon. He's brought that over here to the Arizona Cardinals. So that was the the name that I was hoping for when Jonathan Gannon said that team captains haven't been announced publicly yet. That was the name I was hoping for to see if he will be on or won't be on. Um, but it was good to see that he was. By the way, if you were to make a prediction, here was one of the last questions I asked Jonathan Gannon on his TV show this week. What do you know about this team? that the rest of the world is going to find out. And on Friday night, 6.30 on 12 News, you can see what he said. And he didn't necessarily name names, but we will, okay? Give me the name or two of someone you think is going to have a breakout season that you have a pretty good feeling this player is going to ball this year, and especially the national media is about to find that out. Because I'll get started. Honestly, Kaiser White is a guy I would put near the top of that poly power pole because he said his best year in the NFL in his opinion was when he one year he played Mike linebacker with the Chargers and then he went to the Eagles and they had too much depth they ended up playing Will I think putting him back at this Mike linebacker spot I think he's gonna have a heck of a season based on everything we've seen this is a little bit of a swing for offense but I'm just gonna go with my gut here I think LJ Collier is gonna have a really good year I think he's motivated I think he realized that his career could really be wrapping up if he doesn't do well. I think he had a really good preseason and I think he kind of wants to show that he's worth something. I, I could be off on that, 
and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm also having some trouble coming up with names of guys that really pop. By, but I'm going to go with LJ Collier. Zach? I would probably go Dennis Gardick. He's been a name that's, you know, started to uh, – he had that one year where he had the seven sacks and, you know, did a really solid job. But over the past couple years, he hasn't had as much production on the defensive side of the ball. With him being slated here as the first unit outside linebacker on the week one depth chart – he has earned the respect of the coaching staff. It's why he's got that captain label on him as well. JG literally said, that's my man, Dennis Gardick. Uh, so to see the type of impact he's had, and I, I was talking with Jesse Lucetta about it, and I was like, what type of relationship do you have with Dennis Gardick? And he was like, that guy, no matter what is again in front of him, he's going to do everything to, to get through and get to the quarterback. He, he made a comment in the offseason at some point, Gardeck, where he said previously in his career he would just come off the ball with furious athleticism and then figure it out en route to the quarterback. That Rob Rodriguez, his new position coach, has him being much more of a thinking man's pass rusher, that he still has that same Tasmanian devil to him, that same athleticism, but he has a plan in place when they snap the ball, which I found intriguing, almost like he unlocks something. Uh, do, do you do you think it has anything to do with a doodle bob tattoo he got? <laughs> do Do you think a Josh Dobbs will get a doodle bob tattoo? I I don't think Josh Dobbs will. And <laughs> it's funny that we all mentioned defensive players. Yeah. Well, I have one for you. Can I can I get a runner up? Can I get a runner up? Around the horn, we another another round. See, here we go. Here's, here we go. Here's what he you did not Zach. just want one. Well, because yeah. he had like seven breakout players yeah. at camp, so yeah. I'm not surprised he wants two of these guys. I, I can't resist. I, I admit it's a weak spot. If it's Demarcado, I'm no, walking out right absolutely now. Absolutely not, Michael Wilson. Yeah, I almost went with Michael. Wilson. I think they actually stinking hid Michael Wilson in the preseason. That, yes, I, I think Anquan Bolden esque. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm, it's crossed my mind, I think obviously. They know what they have in Michael Wilson. They kind of got him out there. I said, here, have a little taste, young man, of what, you know, full contact, full speed football is all about again. But, oh, that's enough. Come back out. I told this, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I enjoy it so much. Um, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was covering the team for the East Valley Tribune in 2003, and the offense coordinator that year was Jerry Sullivan, who was also a receivers guru, as we all know. And, uh, Anquan Bolden had been the second round pick out of Florida State, and he had like one catch or two catches in the preseason and barely played. And I went and sat down with Jerry Sullivan on the Friday before the game in Detroit to open the season. And we were talking about some different guys on offense. And I said, Anquan, I said, is he all right? like, do you think he can do something or are you, are you worried he's going to be able to produce? And he goes, oh, no. He goes, he wasn't out there because we didn't want him out there. We don't want anybody to know him. He goes, you watch Darren. He goes, watch what happens Sunday. He goes, everybody's going to know about Anquan Bolton. And, of course, he went out there and had 218 yards or whatever he did and 10 catches and two touchdowns against Detroit. And everybody knew about Anquan Bolton from then on out. I don't know That's if Michael story. Wilson is going to go and get you 10 catches yep. this weekend. But I, I, it did cross my mind like, hmm. I, I they, he didn't have to do nearly as much. Are they keeping him under wraps? It's a great story. I've heard it a few times, but it's still a great story. It's, it's like Wolf's Jack Lambert story. I've heard that a few hundred times, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's still it's still a good story, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and that's the great part of when coaches will trust you enough to share little tidbits yes. like that. That's a little behind the scenes of the media that's business. A, that's a long time ago. It is too, long. Right? Yeah, unfortunately, not a lot of that happens anymore no. because of all Twitter and social media and there's 
everyone in such a rush to break stories and it's instant news the moment you tweeted out i mean was there twitter back then what was that oh three oh three no no it was, most it was three years before twitter. twitter even launched i didn't right? i didn't even get on twitter until 2009 nine so. okay all right in fact in 2003 the east valley tribune wasn't really on the internet that much either so okay there's your answer okay by the way Buda Baker, what he told Dave Pash about how he put on 15 pounds and he's actually faster than he was. How he, are we, he looks how, unbelievable. How, how are we processing what's to come with Buda Baker this year? Talk about motivation. Mm. You know he's looking for that extension after oh, the year. Yes, he does. There's no doubt about that. So, all right, so you have all that. Um, what I don't need, and in fact, I'm gonna, when we're done here, I'm going to call Raj and Park Avenue and I'm going to talk to the commissioner. I'm going to tell him we need a moratorium a number changes the first week of the regular season. Are you kidding me? So now Josh Woods is 10. Correct. And Chris Barnes, another inside linebacker, is now wearing Josh Woods' number of 51. Correct. See, why, what do you, you already know it. Are, are there <laughs> any other number changes we need to be married, aware of? And is there ever a moratorium or, or, or an end date where you can no longer change your number? I noticed Jeff Swaim changed. He went from. Oh, come on. 86 no not 86 so he's not 84 anymore because that's 84 the new, to 87 uh, he's 87 he's 87, now. He's 87 but, which was daniel arias but daniel now, arias is on the practice squad and so. now 84 is elijah higgins the new tight end right yeah, there you go can i ask though because i was traveling back on right. monday what happened with andre wearing number kyler murray's number one okay at practice? so so i yeah. heard yeah. true help me out on that i i it, it was weird because we were out there and he comes out and he's got a helmet on and andre is probably in the same ballpark height-wise as Kyler. And so he, there's a guy with a helmet wearing number one, wearing a, a, a sleeve on his right leg. And there was a couple of us like, what is going on? Because this is illegal as hell. Uh, and then you <laughs> took a look, look to the left and Kyler was sitting on his own, uh, actually over with the uh, one of the athletic trainers. So I'm like, okay, that's not him. And so a process of, of elimination, we saw that it was uh, Andre Basili, who was uh, – a practice squad wide receiver been around a couple years. And then I thought, okay, maybe he lost a bet to Kyler or something like that. I was told that he's serving as Dotson on the scout team mm. this week. Mm. Although another I, Penn Stater, I've never, oh, no. I've never no. seen them wear a number like that and wear it. And maybe I was, maybe it was red and they were wearing red on the offense too. But like, it looked like just like the practice yeah. jerseys and not like one of the black fake ones. With all due respect to Andre Bocelli, um, you know, he doesn't have the same tree trunk legs like Kyler Murray. You know, he doesn't, That's true. He doesn't have the but lower when, half. when you're just like, wait, what? Yeah, and, right, and he was on yeah. the other side of the field. Right. So I did yeah. notice, Zach, that uh, Paul's voice got, it seems like it got just a tad deeper now that he doesn't have the mustache. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I said when he walked into I the see. studio, this is my first time yeah. seeing him without a mustache. Yeah. He I'm... went very GQ today. <laughs> well, I had been bombing the testosterone to try and get the mustache to grow, so maybe that was one of the side effects. I, I don't know. You know, I was trying performance enhancers, but, you know, truth be told, now that's a regular season, they start testing, so I had to stop with the performance enhancers to get the mustache. It just wasn't winning behavior, Zach, okay? Just just know that. It wasn't winning behavior. Added we had to get rid of no it. was no added value. It just, uh, <laughs> that, 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 and it didn't make the wife's final 53. Like, oh. Just put it that way. Yeah, she hated it. She absolutely hated it. And it so. wasn't even put in the practice no, squad. No. <laughs> Speaking of the practice squad, is there a different strategy that's going to be used by this coaching staff? Because it seems like there's a lot of guys they could most definitely count on in the regular season who are on the practice squad. These aren't like, 
Division three guys with some sort of potential upside, and they're going to try and see what. No, these are like established dudes, like a Corey Clement, other players that I could easily see getting significant playing time that are now on the practice squad. So, can you refresh our our memory on the rules? You get three chances to be called up from the practice squad, you get three right? Three chances to get called up where you could still be put back down on the practice squad, but that's it. And then you have to be on the active roster, and then you get two of those a week. And, and I'll be honest with the way the waiver claims went. I mean, right now they've got nine offensive linemen, 10 offensive linemen, okay. 10 offensive linemen. Four of them were waiver claims that just showed up. Mm. So you've got one backup offensive lineman that's been in the system for more than a week, and that's Kelvin Beecham. I wouldn't be shocked if at least one of their call-ups in that first game is an offensive lineman that's been with them all through camp, mm. and you just make inactive your waiver guy, most of your waiver guys. Like a Marquise Hayes. Yeah, like a Marquise Hayes or a Hayden Howerton or somebody like that so that these guys have a chance to get their feet underneath them because otherwise you're talking about a bunch of backups that if they have to go play, they haven't done anything yet. And once again, if somebody comes after a Marquise Hayes, for example, you do have the right to match. If another of the 31 teams comes after one of your practice squad players. Oh, yeah. You have the ability oh, yeah. to automatic. I mean, it's and, and it's not the player's choice. It's the team's choice. If they automatically elevate him to the 53, then it's still the team's property. Like, exact, right? I don't think that's true. I do think you have a choice. But, okay. you, but if you're talking about going to another team's practice squad – or are you, t- are you talking about if... if As I'm talking like back in the day, Rasul Douglas, the yes. cornerback that went to the Packers, yes. and he was out there in the practice squad yeah. for the Cardinals, and somehow he got away. Yeah. When the Packers came calling, could the Cardinals that season have said, nope, he's now on the 53? They What they could have done is said, we want you to stay, and we're putting you on the 53. And I do believe it's the player's choice. However, almost all of them are like, well... I, I'm I'm going to get – I want to get a paycheck. I don't want to uproot my – I'm in the middle of the season. I'd yeah. rather stay where I've been right. – I have a better chance to get some playing time. So, yeah, I think in that – when a guy leaves – because that's happened before. You've had guys that have almost left, and then they get promoted, and you sometimes I'm like, that's an odd time to promote this guy. Oh, well, you find out behind the scenes another team was trying to sign him, and they're like, oh, no, no, we'll we'll bring you up. Gotcha. We'll, we'll, get, we'll give you that, that – 53-man roster paycheck. Because, again, yeah. people forget all this stuff. You want your team to win. You want to get all the best players. This is still a job for these guys, and the difference in a paycheck between a practice squad week and a regular season week is monumental. Okay. All right, so last question, or at least the last thing I have. Um, Zach, you can have butterflies. You know, week one on Sunday, you know, DJ Humphreys talks about he still has butterflies to this day. In fact, DJ Humphreys went TMI, too much info, and said that, before he leaves his hotel room for breakfast on the road in the morning, he spends about 30 minutes, quote, dry heaving before he then embarks on his game day. That's the sort of nerves and anxiety he gets before a game. I won't have that. <laughs> I'm not blocking Chase Good. Young. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just, just thought. But there, I, that, there's definitely going to be a lot of excitement. I think everyone always looks for that first day, that first game. Everyone counts down how many Sundays do we have left until the regular season begins. We're, we're officially here. As, as you started off with, Paul, we're coming down to the final stretch. 
and it's it's all it's all on the horizon. I mean, we're here. It's football season, Paul. It's it's gonna it's only gonna be 112 on Saturday in Arizona. <laughs> so, Feels like home. You realize? <laughs> okay, as we record this, it's somewhat early in the game week. Washington D.C. is about to hit 98 degrees two or three days in a row midweek. Yes, but it is supposed to cool down a tad. Thankfully, because I immediately went to the uh, five day forecast. What the heck is going? Because you know how it works. The visiting sideline is in full sun for all. Oh, four that's quarters. right. We're back to Paul worrying about mm-hmm. his, you know. His, and, I'm like, you know what? We already paid our penance in Minnesota with a stinking heat index of like 117 for that practice. So my question is, is like, is this more bothersome of a sideline or will it be more bothersome in Chicago on Christmas Eve? I'll take Chicago. Other wow. Than, other, other than the, uh, the, the, the heat and the humidity, like Jacksonville is the worst. If you get a yeah. Jacksonville game on the road in early September, that is just the worst. I'd, I'd rather layer up and be on the sideline and near one of the heaters than uh, dealing with I get that all that sunshine but that's because you have access to the yeah. heaters well yeah until the players sort of stiff arm you out of the way and they say players only and they they they, they, they shove Paulie pencil neck out of the way here's the last confounding thing I need an answer we, we've to. had a lot of lasts yeah. I noticed yep Zaven Collins yes. does he really look that much older than he is True or See, false? See, I, I didn't think so. I mean, I know he's got a beard, but... He told the story that a lot of guys came up to him, younger guys, rookies, and said, what are you, in like year eight? He's like, no, dude, I'm in year three. Oh, well, you just look older. Really? Well, you know what? I will say this. He does look like he was alive at 9-11. <laughs> I was going to ask if after this year we'll look like I've been in the NFL for about three years or so, or am I going to be fine from, from this position? We'll, we'll work on yeah. it. We'll, work we'll try on and it. age you a little bit. Depends how this season goes, Zach. Okay, Some seasons age you more than others. Let's put it that way. So what's the prediction then? for How, how many years do you think I'm going to age at the end of this? At the end of this year? That's a great question. You'll be able to rent a car by the end of this season. <laughs> That's what I'll say. You'll go from 21 to 25. I'll I take think it. this season. I'll take okay? it. Okay. All right. You, you'll be. You'll split the difference between you and Danny. <laughs> so we'll leave it there. Wait a minute. I'm not supposed to no. reveal the age. Of, she's on assignment. Yeah, <laughs> she's on assignment. So she's not here to defend herself or her birth certificate. That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.